As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the you ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic, and today I got a special guest on the show. Normally, you listen to Kelvin Harris or our friend uh, Carlos Ledo, but we, we actually went out and we're actually doing some journalism work today. Uh, we're going to reach out to Tom Green, Auburn beat writer from AL.com. And, and Tom uh, is actually a South Florida native. He grew up uh, in Coral Gables, so he knows, uh, I'm sure, a lot of the Canes history. And uh, being a South Florida native, he's got an interesting perspective. And obviously, we're bringing him on the show because – the University of Miami is turning into Auburn South. I mean, literally with the hiring of Travis Williams, the new linebackers coach on Monday, we now have three former uh, Auburn players slash coaches on staff with Rhett Lashley and Travaris Robinson. So I wanted to bring Tom on to talk a little about, little bit about T-Will as he's known. And, uh, you know, let's start with this though first, Tom, if I could. Uh, EA Sports announces today that they're going to come back out with college football uh, video game. I'm wondering your reaction because I was a guy who grew up playing video games and sports, and I love the college football game. What does that mean to you as a guy who uh, who, who obviously loves the sport and covers it? Uh, I, I just saw the news uh, when I, right when we uh, were getting started here, but I mean, I, I'm about as excited as everybody else is with that, man. <laughs> I was never so beyond like PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, you know, Xbox. 360 there out I've, I've, i haven't like kept up with video games right as i've gotten older but like growing up like ncaa football was my jam um yeah i i i remember one of my teams i used to love playing with was west virginia back in the day when they had uh pat white and steve slayton um mm-hmm. just loved running the option with that team but <laughs> yeah man no, i'm excited to get it back and i know i mean everybody's been wanting it back for years since it's been gone now so yeah. Step in the right direction for sure. 2014 is the last uh, season that came out and uh, they actually uh, had Shoelace Robinson. Remember on the, on the cover of the last uh, video game, yeah. he was from Deerfield beach high, of course, became a star at Michigan. 
And uh, and so a South Florida star was the last one on the cover. I'm wondering who's going to be on the next one. Um, maybe it's Devonta Smith. I don't know. Maybe they put the Heisman where it's like an automatic thing, right? Where you got to put a Heisman <laughs> winner or candidate on there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it's going to depend on, you know, how, how quickly they can turn around and get it out. Um, mm-hmm. I think I saw someone just saying that it might take up to 18 months for them to get the first, first edition. So yeah, might be, might be some standout from this season. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you've been covering Auburn now, I think, uh, from when I read your bio since 2015, I, you and I met, uh, woof, probably a decade ago when you were, you were down here, I guess, uh, interning, right. MLB.com doing the Marlins. Yeah, coverage. actually, I think the first, the first, I think the first time we met was actually at Dwyer. Okay. When, That's right. When Jacoby Brissett committed to Florida at the at halftime of his basketball game. That's right. I do remember that now. And, and uh, yeah, that was such a weird situation. I remember driving all the way up to West Palm for that. And the feeling was, oh, this may be the quarterback Miami finally gets. And, of course, he leaves and, and decides to go uh, to Florida. And then I think he transferred to NC State, right? And uh, yeah. and then uh, now he's in the NFL, of course. But, um, yeah, wow, that, that talk about years ago. And then, you, and then you did the Marlins thing for a little while, right? Yeah. The internship there. And then yeah. right back up to college. And, and of course, you, you went to the University of Florida to study journalism. And uh, you've been at this a decade now, man. Do you keep up with the Canes at all? Were they were they your first love? Or, or did you become a Gators fan, I guess, uh, going to school there? I was more of a Florida fan growing up because both my parents went there. My okay. oldest brother went there. My uncle went there. But like everybody around me was either a Canes fan or an FSU fan down in mm-hmm. Miami. I mean, you know how it is down there. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my closest friends are all either UM fans or FSU fans. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I've, I've certainly kept up with them over the years and, you know, was aware of them growing up. And, you know, obviously, you know, my, my formative years watching college football really were, you know, those early 2000s teams, um, mm-hmm. both at UM and Florida, you know, the, the final years of Steve Spurrier, Right. And, you know, Rex Grossman and all them. Um, and obviously, you know, UM had that little dynasty there with, uh, with, with you know, Ken Dorsey and those Willis ridiculously McGee. stacked teams yeah. that still might be the most absurd roster <laughs> in college football history. But Well, now you've got a great perspective, having gone to Florida, having gone back to work uh, in the SEC up there in Auburn now for the past decade. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on on these Miami assistant coaches for our listeners. You know, T. Will is a guy that I've heard a lot of great things about as far as, um, you know, recruiting and the things he's done there. I know he doesn't have a ton of experience in terms of being at multiple schools. I guess he's been at Auburn most of his career, having played there and then gone back to coach. Um, but what what can you give us a quick scouting report on T. Will just as uh, a coach and recruiter and what sort of stands out with him? Well, I think the first thing with you, I think he's very quickly going to become a fan favorite down there. Um, he, he's a guy that just has an infectious personality. He's an incredibly genuine and personable um, guy. Um, and I'm sure everybody's going to realize that as soon as they you know meet him and get to know him. But as, as far as being a coach and a recruiter, I mean, let's, let's start with the recruiting side. Since he's been at Auburn, he, he's helped them land 14 blue chip recruits. Um He's, he's been the primary recruiter for a bunch of them, the secondary guy, you know, the area guy for a handful of them. Um, he was responsible for helping them land Owen Papo, a five-star linebacker who was a day one starter as a freshman 
and has been a standout uh, at linebacker the last two seasons at Auburn. Um, just a, a bunch of guys that uh, he's been able to get. I, I can't even remember off the top of my head the full list. But Well, yeah, uh, you had sent them to me because I messaged you last night, and I said, uh, let, let me reach out to Tom because I know – uh, I asked you, I said, who would be some good guys to talk to about Coach T. Will? And you gave me a laundry list, man, which was great. It was going to help me with my story here once I get to it. But you mentioned Deshaun Davis, who I guess um, became uh, first team all SEC linebacker, uh, Trey Williams, uh, KJ Britt. Um, you, you gave me a, a nice list of names there. Yeah. I mean, and those are all guys that he really helped develop. Um, you know, he, he was one of the guys that recruited KJ Britt to Auburn. He um, you know, KJ is a guy from North Alabama over here, a four-star recruit. But you know, he he really developed KJ into a you know first-team All SEC linebacker in 2019, and he probably would have been one again last year if he didn't break his thumb and you know miss almost the entirety of the season. Um, now he's off to the NFL. We'll see where he gets drafted. Probably a mid-round guy. Um, again, he he didn't recruit Deshaun or uh, Trey Williams, but you know when Travis took over the linebacker position in 2016, um, you know, Trey Williams, I believe he became a second team all SEC linebacker the following year. Um, Might've been 20, yeah, 2018, Deshaun Davis uh, became a first team all SEC linebacker, um, just put up ridiculous numbers um, for Auburn that year. He had 116 total tackles, 15 for a loss, which led the team three and a half sacks two pass breakups uh, and he was Auburn's first first team all SEC selection wow. since Travis played for Auburn in you know the early 2000s right. so he really was responsible for helping kind of bring back the reputation of the Auburn linebacker um, you know, Auburn's had a history of some good linebackers in it in, you know throughout the program but really these last few years has been a resurgence and you know Travis's coaching has been you know instrumental to that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Where does does he have a specialty like a certain state or a certain area that he's just really good at, at plucking guys from, um, you know, the, or is he just well rounded? He anywhere he goes, he, he's got a great shot at landing the kid. I, he's pretty well rounded. I mean, he, he's obviously he's familiar with South Carolina because that's where he's from, but he hasn't recruited too much over there um, since he's been at Auburn. Um, usually, his, his area was kind of the Atlanta area, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's a very talent rich area. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are parts of Alabama that, that he recruited pretty strong too. Um, but, you know, he, he's a guy, he's going to have success recruiting wherever he's at. And I think him coming to Miami, um, especially him and T-Rob down there together, uh, 
I think Miami's going to do a better job of keeping some of those really talented uh, defensive players within its borders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were starting to do a better job this year, but it really feels like what Manny Diaz did this offseason, you know, in terms of essentially making four changes on his defensive staff, keeping one guy who was around that was Coach Patkey, who, who did special teams and, and had obviously the, the Lou Groza winner in Borgales and the number two punter in the country in Lou Headley. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't really get rid of Coach Packey for the job he did with special teams alone. But he, he's basically brought in, you know, four new faces. Uh, Jess Simpson, who, uh, of course, was previously with the staff in, in 2018 and with the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL for the last couple of years, is back. Uh, he's a great recruiter as well in the Georgia area. T-Rob, um, who played at Auburn, coached at Auburn, I think your first season on the beat. Um mm-hmm. You know, he's he's back home in South Florida. He's an unbelievable recruiter, did a tremendous job at the University of Florida and South Carolina and Auburn. Um, and then, of course, of course, Coach Rhett Lashley on the offensive side, who I mentioned earlier, as, as an Auburn connection, being an Auburn guy. Um, it, it really feels like he's, he's done a phenomenal job upgrading the staff. And, um, you know, Demarcus Van Dyke is another tremendous recruiter. Um, I'm curious, from, from covering the SEC as closely as you have, is it more important to be a really good position coach or is it much more important to be just a great recruiter? Cause it feels like Manny's loaded up on tremendous recruiters. I know T will did a great job with, with, you know, the linebackers Auburn, but it, it feels like this is an upgrade in the recruiting department, mostly for Miami. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to, to, you know, coach your position well, cause mm-hmm. you know, all the talent in the world isn't going to mean anything if you can't develop it. Right. But you know, at the end of the day, we both know college football right now is about recruiting. If you're not recruiting at the highest level, you're not going to be able to compete for a championship. You look at the Alabamas, you look at the Georgias, you look at the Clemsons. Those guys are recruiting on an, another planet from everybody else right now. So I, I, I certainly think that you know one of the most valuable parts of putting together any staff is finding some elite recruiters and guys that kids are just going to you know, you know, float to. Um, and I think that you're getting that with some of these guys like T will and T Rob, certainly their personalities, you know, they, they know how to connect with these high school kids. Yeah. Uh, I, you, I know T Rob was only there at Auburn for one season, but just your experience with him. And then of course he stayed in the sec, he went over to South Carolina and was with, with uh, coach Muschamp over there uh, up until the end of last season. Um, what stands out about him and, and I guess from talking to players, maybe who, have, who he's recruited in the past, um, what, what did you gain from, from what he gave them as a coach or that maybe the kind of job that he did as a recruiter? Well, like you said, he, he's a fantastic recruiter. Um, you look at what he did in just his one year at Auburn, he landed guys like Carlton Davis, who, you know, was, you know, playing in the Super Bowl this weekend, standout cornerback for the Bucks. Um, Javaris Davis, who I believe he was with the Dolphins for a uh, part of this year um, mm-hmm. and, and helped land a few other guys there. Um, certainly at, at South Carolina, you know, they, they weren't working with the same talent pool that they were at some other SEC programs, especially when you're recruiting in the same state as Clemson. But, you know, he, he landed J.C. Horn and helped turn him into one of the best cornerbacks in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's a fantastic recruiter. Um, I think he's a, a good coach. I, th- I think it's going to be interesting to really see him get a chance to kind of, uh, you know, spread his wings without Muschamp there. Cause I know they've been together for a lot of their career and, yeah. you know, he was kind of Muschamp's right-hand man there for a while. Um, I, I think this is going to be a, a good experience for him to do that. And obviously, um, 
you know, there, there's that connection. Will Muschamp and Manny Diaz know each other too. Their, their paths have crossed along the way. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a good fit for T-Rob down there getting to recruit down in South Florida again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, getting back to T-Will for a second, I got to ask you about these rap videos, the ones that he's posted uh, on his social media accounts. He's done, I guess he's done multiple, right, of these, of these sort of rap videos. And it's just, it's all freestyling, right? Like, have you ever talked to him about that? And, and I guess, uh, what do you think of his rapping? <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot worse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you, you got to remember, T-Will, before he, before he got back into coaching, he, he was rapping. Like he, mm-hmm. he was pursuing a music career too. Um, you know, after, after his playing days were over, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's got chops. Like he, he can rap. Okay. Um, I, I know the one he, he put out, you know, last off season really, really went viral uh, with that something to prove beat. Mm-hmm. Um, really catchy, man. I, I remember, you know, it was the off season since I had a little bit more downtime and I, I kind of did a breakdown of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like annotating the lyrics. Um, and that, that was fun to go through, but I mean, again, it's just, it's, it's just another thing that, you know, draws people to him. He, he, he's an entertaining guy. He's got an infectious personality and, you know, kids can relate to him and, you know, he, he's, he's got some chops. It's, it's certainly entertaining. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to ask just because uh, it, it's it's one of those things where if you don't know him and most people down here in South Florida wouldn't. I mean, Miami doesn't play Auburn. Right. You, you, you might watch them when they take on Alabama every single year. But other than that, you're not really exposed to much of their coaching staff. So it's kind of a unique thing to see a coach, uh, you know, sort of pr- produce those videos and put them out there. And I had no idea he had he had actually uh pursued uh rap as an actual career at a certain point did he have a rapper name was it just t will did he uh was he a part of a crew what was the whole story behind that i believe it was just t will or t will for real you know just like his his twitter handle there um Uh but yeah um he he's had a lot of demos and songs um god what year was it i think it was their championship year maybe um in 2010 Mm -hmm. he had he helped produce like this song that was kind of like the unofficial official, like hype song for the team. It was called mm-hmm. tiger walk. I'm sure uh-huh. you can find it on YouTube still um, to this day. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he knows how to, how to get people hyped up and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the players must've loved it. Right. I mean, you have a guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that there was a more universally beloved coach at Auburn than mm-hmm. T will. Um, and obviously part of that is just the fact that, you know, he, he is one of them. You know, he, he went to Auburn. I remember when he got hired, uh, but, you know, or rather when he got promoted before the 2016 season, um, he, he was just the happiest person you, you could have imagined after getting that promotion. I mean, he was an undersized linebacker coming out of high school. Not a lot of people thought he could, you know, play in the SEC and, you know, Auburn and, you know, Joe Witt Sr. Um, in particular really, you know, gave him that chance. And, you know, Joe Witt has been one of his mentors over the years. And, you know, Joe Witt was at Auburn forever as an assistant. He was the first black assistant coach in Auburn history, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember the first time we spoke to T. Will after, after he got promoted, he smiled ear to ear and he was just like, man, if I could Joe Witt this thing for 25 years, you know, I'd do it. I, I would love to just coach linebackers at Auburn. Um, 
you know, obviously he, he has bigger aspirations than that, but you know, he wants to be a defensive coordinator. Eventually he wants to be a head coach one day. Um, but he was just happy being able to return to his alma mater and, you know, coach guys like he was coached. Um, and I think certainly we saw that over the last five years. Um, I think Deshaun Davis is a prime example of that. You know, he's another one of those undersized guys. He signed with Auburn in 2015, I believe. And he didn't really see the field his first season uh, with Will Muschamp and Lance Thompson there. Um, you know, he, he wanted to transfer. Um, he, you know, there were people telling him that they didn't think that he was an SEC caliber linebacker. Um, but T. Will was an analyst on the staff at that time, and he kind of, you know, told Deshaun to stick with it, you know, um, thought he was good enough to play in the SEC. And then, you know, the next season, that offseason, Muschamp leaves. Lance Thompson leaves with him. T. Will gets promoted to linebackers coach. And Deshaun Davis got like a new lease on life, basically. And then, you know, two years later, he's an all-first-team all-SEC linebacker and I think T. Will really saw a lot of himself in Deshaun, um, just being those undersized guys who, you know, who know how to play and can be an impact player and leader on defense. Um, so yeah, I, I really think we saw his personality come through through his players and and their play. Um, again, even this past year, you know, Auburn lost KJ Britt, who was first team All SEC selection. Zacoby McLean comes and steps up, and he leads the nation in tackles um, somehow somehow didn't get all sec recognition either but i mean just t will's been able to develop and kind of plug and play those guys and um really just been impressive to watch them over these last five years yeah and those and those guys weren't highly touted like some of those other recruits right i mean deshaun what was he coming out of high school was he a three deshaun was a deshaun was a three-star kid kj Britt was a i think a high four star Mm -hmm. um zacoby mcclain was a four-star kid out of the atlanta area um, and, you know, he, you know, he mostly played special teams as a freshman. And then as a sophomore, he kind of burst on the scene in that 2019 Iron Bowl with that hundred yard pick six when they right. beat Alabama that game. Um, and then last year turned into one of the best linebackers in the country, um, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's done a good job of not just being able to help find that talent, but, you know, developing it onto the field, um, between what he was able to do. And I know Kevin Steele was really hands-on with the linebackers. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So I want to get into um, Rhett Lashley and, and Gus Malzahn for a brief second. Um, as we, but I wanted to finish on T-Will. What, why wasn't he retained, I guess, on staff, in your opinion? Uh, really, I think it was just kind of, a, kind of a fit thing for what, you know, Brian Harson wanted to do with Derek Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Der- Derek Mason is multiple and how he runs his defenses, but he's probably best known for that three, four defense. Um, so I, I think once they kind of identified who they wanted as their inside linebackers coach and Jeff Schmetting, um, who, who's probably a little bit f- familiar with, you know, the style of defense that Derek Mason wants to run. That just didn't seem like there was a fit for T. Will on the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know, I know Tewell had had some talks with Harson about, you know, he, you know, he interviewed for a spot. Um, but I think ultimately it, it was just a fit thing more than anything. I don't think it's an indictment of him as a coach, but just kind of the direction that Auburn wanted to go um, with what it's doing defensively moving forward. Miami uh, absolutely loves Rhett Lashley and, and the job that he did this past season with De'Ara King to, to upgrade the offense. I mean, they, they were, they're expecting big things in, in season number two, but I'm curious that the whole Gus Malzahn, Rhett Lashley relationship, because obviously it goes back to Rhett's days as a high school, you know, talent and Gus and, and their relationship there. But what do you, what do you remember about why things sort of frazzled between them towards the end and, and, Ultimately, um, you know, Rhett being here at South Florida wants to be a head coach one day. Um, what, what, can you, what, what can you tell us about that relationship that, that you know of from when you were covering the team? Well, really, I, I think it just came down to a control thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gus, you know, as a play caller, you know, it was, it was always his offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's what made him who he was as a coach. It's, you know, how he rose up from, you know, coaching high schools in Arkansas to becoming a power five offense coordinator to eventually a, you know, group of five head coach and then, you know, power five head coach and almost winning a national championship there with that first season at Auburn. Um, so, I you know, the offense was always his baby. And I think he struggled to kind of give up control of that, even when there were, you know, maybe some other powers at Auburn that may have wanted him to ease up some of the control. Um, and, you know, just during Gus's entire tenure at Auburn, he kind of flip-flopped between saying, you know, saying, you know, I'm going to be a hands-off CEO type, or I'm going to be really involved and I'm going to call plays. Um, you know, he did that probably a handful of times, whether it was with Rhett, with Chip Lindsay. Um, you know, he made it pretty clear in 2019 that, you know, he was going to call plays while Kenny Dillingham, who's now at Florida State, uh, was, you know, going to be the offensive coordinator and, you know, kind of focus more on game planning and working with the quarterbacks. And this past season, you know, Gus gave it up again because he felt he trusted Chad Morris uh, just because of their long history together. Um, so I, I think really that's mostly what it came down to. I think Rhett, Rhett kind of just wanted to be able to do his own thing and, you know, spread his wings and kind of develop his own offensive style. Um, you know, his whole career, basically, you know, outside of a you know short stint at Samford, you know, he worked with Gus up until, you know, through the 2016 season. So then, you know, he left Auburn for, you know, it was really a step down going from Auburn to UConn as offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, but it was a chance to do his own thing. Right. And certainly kind of, you know, gambling on himself like that has paid off, you know, went to SMU, had a lot of success there. And now he's down at Miami and, you know, people absolutely love what he was able to do there in his first season. Um, so I, I think certainly, you know, like you said, Rhett wants to be a head coach. I think eventually he's going to get that opportunity, you know, probably sooner rather than later if he keeps it up at Miami. Um, but, you know, he went from a guy that was really on the fast track when he first got to Auburn, you know, he, he was, a Broyles finalist. Um, I can't even remember. Did he win the win the award in 2013 or not? No, I don't. No, he didn't win it. He was a finalist, though. Yeah, he, he was a finalist. Um, and you know, probably if they had won that national championship, he pro- he probably could have had his choice of you know group of five head coaching jobs at that point. Um, but I think with just you know kind of the the back and forth tussle for who's going to call plays and who's going to be responsible for what, um, you know. 
kind of stunted that growth for him for a period of time. And he just wanted to get out and try to do his own thing and build his own name away from Gus, who, you know, again, gave him his first opportunity and brought him along with him for most of the way. Yeah. I think it's, is the relationship still good between them? Is Was it just a matter of, you know, Gus accepting, Hey, he's going to move on and do better, bigger things. Or uh, I'm curious what you know about that relationship. I think the relationship's still pretty good with them. With them. I know Gus was asked about Red a couple times uh, early last fall when Miami was really taking off, and he was saying, you know, he wasn't surprised at all at the success that you know Red was having down there. Um, mm-hmm. He really just heaped praise on on Red at that point. Yeah, and of course, the parallel here in South Florida to their story is Manny Diaz taking control of his defense and saying, "I'm going to be the play caller again." Uh, do you think that ultimately cost, uh, cost uh, Gus's job, you know, maybe not focused, being focused enough on the head coaching duties and, and sort of like you mentioned, as you detailed, you know, tussling with his offensive coordinator over play calling? Or do you think that had nothing to do with, with kind of what happened there for him? You know, I, I think that's certainly one of the things that I think it was more one of the long term problems for for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he really what it, what it amounted to is that he felt like he couldn't make up his mind. You know, he kept on changing course instead of just sticking with one thing, um, whether he wanted to run the offense or, you know, be the CEO and just focus on the broader team aspect. Um, but, but really, you know, what, what, what became his undoing at Auburn was that the offense wasn't living up to those 2013, 2014 numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, re- the rest of college football really caught up to what Auburn was doing. Um, you know, the rule changes with the substitutions kind of impacted their ability to, you know, go pedal to the metal at all times. Like they were doing those first couple of seasons when they were just running laps around uh, opposing defenses. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, just the offense not being up to par resulted in them losing a lot of, a lot of games that are just, you know, unacceptable to lose that many at Auburn in terms of, you know, yeah, he, he, he beat Alabama three times, which, you know, no one else can really say that, um, you know, had two big wins against Georgia that helped help propel Auburn to SEC championship game appearances, but they couldn't win against their biggest rivals away from Auburn, you know, winless at LSU, winless at Alabama, winless at Georgia. And then you just had some of these unexcusable losses, like in 2018 when they lost at home to Tennessee, or this past season when they lose on the road to South Carolina. Uh, mm. I, I think all of it just eventually kind of adds up. And certainly I don't think it didn't help the perception when, you know, Auburn handed him this seven year, $49 million contract extension at the end of the 2017 season. Um, and then just kind of never really <clears throat> lived back up to those expectations. Right. It's interesting. I mean, May, uh, you know, he's entering an interesting year, his third season, and taking back control of the defense from from Blake Baker, who obviously left for LSU. Um, you know, even even before that, sort of announcing, "Hey, I'm taking back the play calling duties." You know, people down here are, 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 I guess, curious: Can he do both? Can he be the head coach and can he call plays at the same time? We've seen a lot of offensive guys do it. It's just kind of rare, I think, from a defensive perspective. I don't think you see that as often. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the situation was at South Carolina with with Muschamp and and T Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Will is a you know defensive guy through and through. 
and then mm-hmm. T. Rod's been his right hand man. So I don't know what the situation was there in terms of how Will was handling the defense and play calling and stuff like that. But yeah, certainly, like you said, you you, do, you just don't hear as much about that from the defensive side as you do uh, with some of these offensive minded guys like a like a Dan Mullen or a Gus Malzahn or some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's much more common among the offensive coaches from from what I've been able to look up. Uh, so Miami's opening with Alabama. We know that uh, they're ridiculous. They won the national championship for sixth time uh, since, uh, I guess it was, what, 2009? Um, their roster, though, is, is kind of undergoing heavy changes, especially on the offensive side. I mean, you've basically got one of your standout receivers coming back. Uh, you, you got a bunch of talent in the backfield. You got two starters back on the offensive line. But it, 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 when you look at that roster, it looks like it's undergone a lot of changing. What's your thought on this Alabama team that's coming back? Um, you know, I, you, you've seen them up close for several years now. What do you think of what they've got coming back? Are they still a monster? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you, you go from having, you know, I think when all is said and done, we're going to look back a few years from now, we're going to be like, okay, this – this Alabama team, last year's LSU team, the, those that early 2000s Miami team, mm-hmm. those USC teams are probably going to be in the discussion for the most talented teams, top to bottom, ever in college, you know, in college football history. And you're like, okay, Alabama's losing a lot of these guys, and then you go and you look at their recruiting, and they might be on the verge of signing the most talented class ever. Right again. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I don't think Alabama is going to be slowing down um, anytime soon. I think probably probably the bigger question is going to be what that offense is going to look like without Steve Sarkeesian and you're putting Bill O'Brien in there instead. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think kind of figuring out what that what they're going to look like offensively with a new play caller, how much of the old offense they're going to keep is, is really going to be the bigger question in terms of their success. Cause I, I don't think town is ever going to be an issue for them as long as Nick Saban is there. Yeah. But you've seen them when they go through these big transitions. I mean, they, they didn't play in the championship every year. They didn't make the playoff every year. I guess just your assessment from what they lost. Do you think there will be a drop off? I don't think there's going to be too much of a drop off. I mean, even though, you know, you look after the 2019 season, people thought there was, there might be a drop off because they were losing to a, mm-hmm. um, and then Mac Jones goes and has arguably a better season than Tua had. Right. Okay. Now they're losing Mac Jones, and who they replace him with? Oh, uh, another standout five-star in Bryce Young. <laughs> right. Um, you know they're, they're obviously losing Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. They still have John Mechie. <laughs> right. And all, all these other guys. They're losing Najee Harris. They still have Trey Sanders. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think you know that there might be a little bit of a feeling out period early in the season. But, I mean, it's Alabama at, at, the, at this point. Like, they're about as consistent a program as you can find right now. It's like them and Clemson. What did you, uh, what did you think of that Nick Saban video that was making the rounds of him making a recruiting pitch? Uh, I don't know if you, if you got a chance to see it. Yeah, no, I, I saw it. And, um, I mean, I thought it, it, it was pretty straightforward, but it was also kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as he's made he made a lot of points i mean they win championships they put more guys in the nfl than anybody else and then he kind of addressed the negative recruiting which let's be honest is one of the biggest biggest you know kind of keys to recruiting is kind of negative recruiting your rivals mm-hmm. but you know he made a good point when when he was like if they're telling you that 
you know, you go there, you're going to start immediately. Whereas Alabama, you might not. Well, you're going to be going head to head with some of the best players in the country every day in practice. And right. that's going to make you better. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and also them saying that you would start there immediately, but not there. That's them admitting they're not as good. <laughs> Honestly, it felt like I was watching Jimmy Johnson do it. You know, that's got, that, that had to have been Jimmy Johnson's uh, recruiting pitch. Cause I, when you talk to all the former Miami players, that's what they used to talk about. Practice was tougher than the games. Mm-hmm. And essentially Nick sounded like, uh, like Jimmy or coach Erickson when Miami was in its prime and, and had all those great players. It was just, it, it sounded like the same kind con- kind of conversation, but it's true. Um, you go to Alabama, your, your odds of making the NFL and, and being a star are, are higher than anywhere else in the country right now. So mm-hmm. got that thing rolling, man. Uh, and I think for Miami fans, I guess they look at it like, well, you're getting Alabama game one. Maybe there's a chance you can, sneak in on them with De'Aaron King and, you know, you get, you get some of these returning guys that they have coming back uh, that they feel like, okay, well, maybe this is, this is our opportunity. You get, you get an early punch at Alabama, but like you said, man, they just reload. They just reload every single year and it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I do think one of the kind of interesting things to look at hanging in that game, you know, obviously we're talking about some of these Auburn guys that are on staff, mm-hmm. you know, Rhett Lashley has beaten Alabama before. Mm-hmm. Travis Williams has wins against Alabama as a coach. I mean, these are guys that, you know, if, if anybody at Miami is going to know what it takes to beat Alabama, you know, if, if, even if it's just from the mental side of things, you know, it's those guys. So maybe that gives them, you know, a, a little bit of a boost, maybe not an edge, but, you know, kind of gives them something on their side when you're going against Goliath. <laughs> right. Right. And Bob Shoup, who was hired as a defensive analyst, of course, coached, uh, I know he was with Michigan last year, but before that he was with uh, Mississippi state. So he's seen Alabama up close and personal and, and knows what Nick Saban teams do. So I think, you know, that's one thing Manny's done. Uh, he's hired guys who, who have faced Alabama and, uh, and, and Miss, uh, Michigan state, who's another power five opponent on their schedule this year with, with Shoup having coached at, uh, at Michigan this past year. So it'll be interesting, man. Tom, listen, you were great. You gave me a ton of time, man. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, all your help and everything else. What, what's your thought on that Alabama-Miami game? If you had to give a prediction right now, I know you haven't necessarily studied the Canes roster per se, but uh, what do you, what do you, what do you, do you give the Canes any chance whatsoever of, of even being in the game in the fourth quarter against Alabama? I mean, there's always a chance. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're talking more, we're three weeks removed from the college football playoff <laughs> final and it, uh, I'd have a hard time betting against the defending national champs yeah. in that game. Yeah. Well, well, good luck to everybody in the SEC who has to face that every single year. Miami, just uh, first time since uh, 90, 1993 Sugar Bowl that they'll be they'll be facing Alabama. So Manny Diaz will get a shot. But, Tom, thanks for all your time, man. Some great stories on T-Will and uh, all the guys who have uh, gone through that Alabama system. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, my pleasure. 305-954-568. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.